Amen. We are a blessed people. Praise the Lord. So don't complain, will you? <laughs> Complaining is an evidence of unbelief in our heart. We want to believe. We're blessed people. You're joined to Jesus Christ. The Spirit of God lives in you. You are blessed. Absolutely blessed. Praise the Lord. I want you to open with me in Hosea chapter 1. Or Hosea chapter 2. Hosea. See if you can find Hosea. Hosea is only a little book. You should be able to find it there somewhere in the Old Testament. <laughs> ah. I'll get there. I can't find it. Here we go. I've got it. It's just up to Daniel. There you go. Daniel chapter 2. I want to just, last two weeks we've been speaking a message about kings, the prayer of kings. Uh, to stir us in the season this month to begin to arise like Jabez who prayed, Oh God, that you would truly bless me greatly, bless me indeed, and enlarge my territory uh, and keep me from evil, Sorry. that I may do no harm or cause no pain to anyone. So God, he, he cried out for God's blessing Elijah. We've been talking about that last couple of weeks. Today I want to talk about amazing grace and I want to, again, carry on the same thing, preparing our hearts for the things God has this year. In Ephesians, Hebrews 4.16, it says, Let us come boldly, boldly, not timidly, not, hev not with heaviness in your heart, but come boldly to the throne, the governing place in heaven, where all the affairs of mankind are governed from. Come boldly by faith and obtain mercy. If you messed up, mercy is what you need. And the Bible tells us not to come and try and pray for it, work it out or anything like that. The Bible says just come and get hold of it. God has got mercy. If you made mistakes, made failures, blew it, had setbacks, fell over, backslid, whatever in 2010, I'm telling you right now, God says come and obtain mercy. Believe that mercy's for you. You don't have to live in condemnation. Don't have to live in guilt. Don't have to live in defeat. Live in mercy. God has forgiven you already. Rise up and believe it. And obtain grace to help in time of need. In other words, well-timed grace. So for this year, for those who would be kings and would rise up and begin to see how God could expand you and see how God could enlarge you, you will need the grace of God. You will need the grace of God. The grace is the power of God. We don't have to try and work hard. We need to believe. This is the work that you believe. Biggest issue Christians have is we try to live the Christian life like we lived in sin before, the, before we came to Christ. We try to just work hard to be a good person, make resolutions. But there is grace, the power of God, available for us to enable us to win in life. By grace, you win in life. So I want us to look at the story in Hosea, and we're going to just look at the uh, demonstration of tremendous, amazing grace that God showed in the Old Testament. Some people think the Old Testament is all about the law, but there are abundant examples where God shows just how merciful and kind He is. And many times He uses a picture, because when I say amazing grace, a lot of people think of a song. So that's a nice song, amazing grace. Oh, we've got a funeral, amazing grace. That's all we think. What we need to do is have a picture of the tremendous, abounding generosity that's extravagant of God towards you. And so I want to, so God uses many stories in the Old Testament to help us understand things. And this story 
is a true story. It's a, it's a uh, story in the Old Testament about a uh, prophet, and God gave him a mandate. And we're going to just read a little bit of introductory verses so we understand what was the background that it was in and then what God required him to do. Now, i tell you something. I wouldn't have liked to have been the prophet that day. I certainly wouldn't want to be him. I wouldn't want to be him when you see what God called him to do. And when you look at it, I'm sure you would say, I could never do that. That would be too hard. But God called this man to do something that would be a demonstration for us of just how extravagant God's love is. And this is a story filled with hope. It's actually the gospel of Jesus Christ found very simply and very clearly in the Old Testament. So we're just going to have a look, first of all, in Hosea chapter 1. And just read the first couple of voices. Did I say voices? Must have been watching Soprano or something. Voices. Dear Lord. You know I meant voices, didn't you? <laughs> okay, Hosea chapter 1. The word of the Lord that came to Hosea, the son of Beery. Beery. I suppose he was a drinker, was it? I don't know. In the days of Uzziah. So it was in the days of Uzziah, and there were many problems in the nation. The nation had backslidden. Northern kingdom had, uh, where he was, had fallen into idolatry. And this is what the Lord began to speak. He spoke to, uh, by Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, go, now this is what God said to him, go take yourself a wife of harlotry, or go marry a prostitute. That's pretty tough. Go marry a prostitute and the children of harlotry, for the land has committed great harlotry by departing from the Lord. So he went and he took Goma, the daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son. And the Lord said to him, call his name Jezreel. Verse 6, she conceived again and bore a daughter. And God said to him, call her name Lo-Ruhamah. Verse 8, when she had weaned Lo-Ruhamah, she conceived and bore a son. And God said, call his name Lo-Ami. Right, I want to go through this and just give you a little understanding of what it's talking about here, because sometimes we can read these verses and it just is like something mysterious from the Old Testament. The first thing is, is that this whole story here is a picture in the Old Testament of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're going to see the extravagant love of Jesus Christ demonstrated by watching what God does through this prophet. So the first thing, the name Hosea means... It means literally the deliverer. It means literally salvation. It means to bring a victory. So in this story, Hosea is God's mouthpiece, God's representative. His name means salvation. So he is a picture of Jesus Christ. He is representing God. He's speaking on behalf of God. He is a picture for us of Jesus Christ. And notice what it says. He said, go take yourself a wife of harlotry and the children of harlotry, for the land has committed great harlotry in departing from the Lord. The name of the woman that he took for his wife was called Goma. And the name Goma means completion, or it means literally to come to the end of yourself. You have expended all your resources, and you are at the lowest possible point in your life. Salvation comes to those who are at the lowest place, lowest point of their life, with disappointment, with failure. Notice this also, she was a prostitute. Now, many times when we read the Bible, we sort of separate it from real life. 
So let's just explain to you exactly what it was referring to here. This is a woman who sold her body, traded with men. She obtained money in return for giving herself. So there was a trade went on. And when she uh, was involved in sexual relationship with men, she got caught into bondage or sold tied to each person she was engaged sexually with. So now this woman who's come to the end of herself has traded with all kinds of lovers, ended up in connection with them through her sin, and her life has come pretty well to an end. She's at the end of herself, and there is no way out. And God says, this is what the land is like. This is what the people have like because they have forsaken the true God, the creator God, the Father in heaven, and turned away and found other lovers. In, uh, in Peter, he says, and uh, James, he says, when we love the world with its values and live a lifestyle like the world, we are an adulterer spiritually. We are entering into bondage and connections we should not enter into, and these things open the doorway for spiritual bondage in our life. So he is taking the picture of a prostitute and called salvation to come to this prostitute. Most people, when they hear someone is a prostitute, they want to talk about it, or they tend to look down, and they say, well, that's someone who's fallen pretty well to the lowest. I've talked with people who've been involved in this, and usually they found no other way out. There was no hope. I talked to one, and she seemed to be trapped in it. She said, if I had the money, if I had some way, I'd get out of this, but I can't get out. I'm trapped in the cycle, and I can't get out of it. I need help. Uh, Kalinda in China is giving help to children who were sold into this kind of bondage. Talked with Doug last night, and she's having extraordinary results in setting people free. So this is a prophetic picture for us of the love that Jesus Christ has for people who have failed the most dismally and failed in the greatest way possible. They've sold themselves or traded and come into alliance and soul ties with demonic spirits. That's what the background to this is. Now, then it goes on, and it says that uh, she conceived and had, had children. And so the children of this, notice the word, and there's three children. First one's Jezreel. The third one, uh, second one is Loruma, for I no longer have mercy on the house of Israel, means no mercy. And the third one is called Laami, for you are not my people, and I'll not be your God. So basically what it's saying is this. It's saying that sin always has consequences. It's funny, it's one of the things we need to keep reminding us of. Wages of sin is always death. Whenever we walk in a way which is not in alignment with God's plan, what happens is there are consequences we don't see. That's why the Bible says sin deceives. We can't see what we're doing is hurting us and hurting the loved ones around us. And so in this particular story here, there are three things. The first one is Jezreel. Jezreel in the Bible was where Jezebel set up her controlling power. That's where she had her base of operation in Jezreel. So when you are involved in sin, you open yourselves up to deception and to controlling powers over your life, number one. Second thing, you notice it said, he called the second child uh, was uh, the daughter, was Loruma, meaning I'll have no mercy. So when our lives, when we walk away from God and compromise our lives in various ways, uh, the first thing is we come into control and bondage and we can't see what's going on. Second is there's no flow of mercy. 
there's instead a very harsh life. It's very hard when you're not walking with God. It's very hard when you're in bondage to sin. The life of sin is very, very hard. We don't always see it, but what we inevitably do is just complain about how tough life is. And then the third one is, lo army, not my people, means we're unable to enjoy the privileges of being a child of God and all the blessings that come from it. In fact, we experience rejection and we become like orphans. So notice what he's saying now. He's saying, and he's trying to provide a prophetic picture now of the state of a whole nation which has walked away from God, been involved in prostitution, and the fruit of it is controlling spirits, bondage, lack of mercy and flow of grace in their lives. Life is hard and bitter. And uh, finally, in that last one there, they're unable to experience their identity as a child of the living God. And so God wants to do something about that. Now, unfortunately, what happens is this is what happens. If you read over in uh, chapter 3, verse 1, because she left him, even though he showed her, even though he married her to get her out of this problem and married her to show her the love of God, in spite of being married to her, he, she still abandons him and goes after other lovers again. And this is a picture of Israel itself, which having once been in love with the Lord, having been drawn in and made whole and brought into a relationship with him, then abandoned the Lord and sold herself off into slavery. It's also a picture for us if we've once walked with the Lord and then our life has become entangled. We've gone back to old habits, old ways, old bondages. So in last year, did you fall into defeat, into failure? Did you fall into areas of problem, bondage, and things and go back into old ways of resolving things? Or did you stay true to the Lord? And so this is what happens here. She left her husband. And know what God says. The Lord said to me, now this is the revelation of grace. Go love a woman who sold herself to someone as being loved by someone else. Notice what? And is committing adultery. Just like the love of the Lord for the children of Israel who look to other gods and love the raisin cakes of the, of the pagans. Notice what he says. So I bought her for myself 15 shekels of silver and one and a half homers of barley. That's exactly the price of a slave. So here is a picture of, of this man Hosea, reaching out in love to bring someone into relationship with him, and then when he, she abandons him and goes off back to her former lovers, he, he decides he will still love her again, and he will pay the full price to redeem her again. The full price, that he, the price he paid was the full price. He didn't even have enough money to pay. He had to pay part money and part goods. So this is an extraordinary task that God gave him to show emotional love and care for someone who was consistently rejected and turned away and betrayed him and walked away from him and to be willing to love her again and pay the full price to see her set free. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ, that no matter what we have done, no matter how unfaithful we've been, no matter how we've turned away, God still reaches out to love us, and the price was paid at Calvary for you and I to be free and to be made clean again. What an amazing, what an amazing, amazing revelation of grace. Now, I want to show you then the promises that come, and they're absolutely wonderful promises of, of God. So God promises restoration. Notice in chapter, um, 
uh, 1, let's read it down there in verse chapter 2. We'll go down to chapter 2, and this is what God says. I want to give you three promises of what he says. Here they are. The first one, behold, I will draw her and attract her. I'll bring her into the wilderness, and I will speak into her heart. Here's the first thing that God promises in spite of sin, in spite of whatever failures we might have in our life. God promises to draw and attract us with His love. Here's the first promise He has. Here's the first promise He has, a fresh revelation of His love for us. In this coming year, no matter what mess-ups you've had, no matter what pain, no matter what brokenness, no matter what failure you may have had in, in, the, in the last year, God wants to bring a fresh revelation of His heart to love you. It says, with loving kindness I attract people. God doesn't attract people with judgment. He attracts people with loving kindness. He reaches out with kindness. And so here's the first promise he makes then. He said, I will attract her. I will draw her with loving kindness. I'll bring her into the wilderness and speak comfort to her. What an amazing promise. I'll speak into the heart. This year, God wants to speak into your heart. He wants to reveal His love for you. He wants to reveal His passion for you. He wants to reveal that He loves you in spite of what you have done, in spite of the brokenness, the damage, no matter how ugly you might feel you are, no matter what the devil's been saying to accuse you, God says, I love you. This is a year He wants you to have fresh revelation of His love for you. We love Him because He first loved us. God wants to bring you into a fresh encounter of His love in this coming year. So God wants you to know and experience love. Here's the second thing in chapter 2 and verse 15. I will give her vineyards from there and the valley of Achor as a door of hope. She shall sing there as in the days of her youth and the days when she came out of the land of Egypt. And it'll be in that day, says the Lord, you'll call me my husband, no longer my master, for I'll take from her mouth the names of Baals. They shall be remembered no more by their name, and that day I'll make covenant with them. Here's the second thing that God wants to do. Notice it says, the valley of Achor shall become a door of hope. Now, if you don't understand what that means, then you can't see the significance of the promise. Achor. Achor was a place in the Old Testament in the promised land where they had their first failure. They had come out of the wilderness, they'd come into the promised land, and there was a man there by the name of Achan, and what he did was he saw something that he really was attracted to, and he withheld it from the Lord. He stole out of the city of Jericho something he should have left for the Lord. In other words, it's a picture of people withholding from God, withholding what belongs to God. The Bible says we're bought with a price, we're not our own. We belong to the Lord. Every part of my life belongs to the Lord. Every part. Body, soul, and spirit, possessions, destiny, every part of our lives belongs to Him. You belong to the Lord. You belong joined to Him, fulfilling a destiny. You can never find happiness with other lovers. It just doesn't work out. We find happiness and fulfillment and joy and peace in our heart when we walk in intimacy with God, begin to discover how His destiny for us and how that's to outwork in our daily life, and we begin to walk with Him. Our lives become fulfilled. But when we walk away, then we get disappointed and hurt. We lose our hope. Now, here's what God says. He promises He will give fresh hope, fresh dreams to us. 
So the valley of Achor was a low place in Israel's experience, and the word Achor means trouble. And he said, in that place of trouble, there was suffering that this man's sin brought to others. Now, one of the things is that when we sin and when we fail, what we don't realize is we hurt and affect others. The whole army was defeated that day because of one man's sin. And not only was it defeated, about 30 men lost their lives. About 30 families had no father, no husband because of what one man did. We forget that what we do affects people around us. It's not just that we're a, just a group of people or a group of individuals sitting in a congregation. We're a body of people connected together. And whenever one sins, it affects the others. It overflows. And, this, and so there was a consequence for that. And then God gave them a great breakthrough and victory. And this is what God says. Whatever your troubles have been, whatever your failures have been, wherever you've withheld from the Lord, God wants to restore hopes and dreams again. The Valley of Achor, there was no hope left for that man when he'd fallen into that place of trouble. That God says, in your place of trouble, I want you to have hope. God is a God of hope. I want to reignite dreams. You may have been in a place last year where your dreams were stolen, where disappointments came in, where you became uh, just low in your mind or your soul or your, your spirit, and, and you began to lose hope that God would ever fulfill for you what He promised you. But listen, God this year wants to not only restore and build fresh revelation of His love for you, He wants to reignite hopes and dreams. See, without hope, we have nothing to put our faith into. Faith is the substance of the things we hope for. In other words, faith comes as we dwell on the hopes that God, the dreams God has put before us. God has put dreams in your heart. What are the dreams? Begin to connect with your heart. Oh, I can't connect with my heart. Why not? Well, I'm compromised. Well, then why don't you then come back to the Lord to a fresh revelation of His love, come back into fresh intimacy with Him, let Him reignite the hopes and the dreams again. And here's the third thing that he says, and the last one he promises to do. We'll finish with that. You notice he says, I will betroth you. Chapter 2, verse 19. I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you to me in righteousness, justice, loving kindness, and mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness, and you shall know the Lord. Notice here's the last thing he promises. That word know is the word yada, meaning to be sexually intimate between a husband and a wife. He says, I want you to have intimacy that produces godly fruit. You see, Christianity is not just about working hard, trying to do good, do the best you can. It's about an intimate relationship with Jesus that begins to overflow and produce fruit that's natural. It's not something you're trying to do. It's the flow of a life that's at rest with God. And notice what his promise is. He says three times, I will betroth you. I will betroth you. I will betroth you. Three times God repeats, I will engage in a marriage relationship with you. His desire is intimacy with us. His desire is for connection. His desire is for heart connection with us. He promises to do that. Promises to do that. Out of intimacy is where fruit comes. And so, what's our part? In Hosea 2, notice what it says. Verse 16, it'll be in that day, says the Lord, you'll call me my husband, no longer my master. For I'll take from him out the names of Baal, they'll be remembered no more. Now notice this. He says, I want to change the way you relate to me. The word Baal means owner or master. 
or Lord. In the Old Testament, Baal was a continued problem for the people of Israel. Baal was a spirit power. It controlled money and finances. So if a person worshipped Baal, it bought that spirit power and gave it control over their money and finances and resources rather than being in covenant with God where God could bring blessing and increase into their lives. So another thing that it did was it opened the doorway to sexual perversion. Sexual sin finds its origin in that power of Baal operating over people's lives. A third thing it did was it took away the next generation. So child sacrifice was common part of Baal worship. The modern equivalents of stealing the next generation, Baal uses different things. Abortion is one of the ways that spirit operates today, but it also operates through the whole areas. Uh, we see young people caught up in this preoccupation with vampires, preoccupation with dark, heavy occult things, cutting, the whole area of piercing, all of these areas, there's a spirit behind it drawing people away from covenant loyalty to God and into compromise other lovers that have got their heart. You see, if we want to walk with God, we need to understand walking with God is not just take it easy or cruisy. It's actually about understanding the principles of how to stay in intimacy with God and how to cut off old areas where we've traded, where we've compromised, where we've given away part of our life for acceptance. I talked with one, I said, why do you want to get a tattoo? I want to be just like everyone else. He said, well, then you are trading. You are, you are exchanging your body for being accepted by people. This is the very picture that the story about, of Hosea and Goma is portraying. And God's one who's saying that no matter how much you've compromised, no matter how much you've traded, no matter how much you've done all these things, he said, I still love you, and I want to draw you to myself, and I want to save you. What an amazing thing. And so you notice here, this is what he says, I'll remove from you the mouths of me. You'll no longer call me master. No longer call me Lord. So Baal was the source of witchcraft. So, so to, to remove from her mouth the names of Baal was to do two things. One was to get her life cleaned up from all the compromise and trading through repentance and turning away and breaking the ties and attachments to those things. Second thing was to change the concept of God from a hard taskmaster, someone you serve as a servant, to becoming intimate, husband. He's my husband, I'm married to him. He's my father, I'm his son. God wants to shift the way we relate to him in this coming year to be one of intimacy, relationship, enjoying him, and having a flow of life that comes over from that. So what did God require of him? It was very, very simple. He said, that's what it says here. It shall be in that day, you will call me. In other words, you'll make a decision. You'll make a change. You'll decide to abandon those attachments that compromise your life, stop you fulfilling your dreams, cause you to be hurt and disappointed and cause pain to other people. You'll let go of those areas of things. You'll, forget, you'll give up the trading, buying and selling with those things, and you will come again to acknowledge the reality of who Jesus is, the reality of who our God is. He's a God who loved us. You're bought with a price. We're bought with a price. And so God prophetically told this man, I want you to go marry the prostitute and see the consequences of her life. And in spite of her betrayal of you, I want you to go and love her and pay the full price 
to bring her back. Friend today, God wants to bring you to revelation how much he loves you. He's paid the full price for no matter what failure, no matter how serious, for you and I to come back to him. And this year's a year for enjoying an experience of his love. It's a year for having hopes and dreams restored. It's a year for you to coming into fresh intimacy and fruitfulness in God. Why don't we just close our eyes right now, just finish up. Father, we just thank you. We sense your presence here today, speaking to the hearts of so many of us. Father, we acknowledge that in many different ways, we have traded your provision, your love, intimacy with you, experiencing you as our God and provider. We've traded it for things that can never satisfy. We've filled our life with substitutes. And in doing so, our heart has become distant from you. And Lord, we are amazed. We're amazed that this man would love a prostitute. And then when she left him for someone else, would go and buy her back. How amazing is the love that you have for us. More amazing than that. Lord, you gave your own life on the cross. Today, Lord, we say what amazing grace. We confess and acknowledge areas where we've traded, compromised, or given in to gain some small comfort that you wanted to provide. We turn from those things, renounce and cancel them, and we come to you, the living God. Today I'm asking, Father, for each one of us at every level of the church, this year would bring fresh revelation of your love and heart for us, an awakening, a renewing, an imparting, an implanting of new dreams, new hopes, new desires, that, Lord, there would be an intimacy with you, that your presence would be tangible in our lives and bring forth great fruit. Friends, just while our eyes are closed and heads about, is there anyone here who doesn't know Jesus Christ? God so loved you, he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross. What an amazing thing. Gave up his life so you could be redeemed from the power of sin. Be connected to God. And what does God require of you? That you turn to Him and believe. Is there anyone here today who would respond to Jesus' statement? Any person who received Him and believed on Him, He'd give power to become a child of God. Is there anyone here today ready to become a Christian? Would you raise your hand right now? Just let me know. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to become a Christian. I want the power of sin broken. I want my past forgiven. I want to have a fresh start. Is that you today? Why don't you raise your hand? If you've not become a Christian yet, it'd be a great day to become a Christian. Believer. Maybe there's a struggling going on in your heart. Why don't you say yes to Jesus Christ? I wonder how many others God spoke to you today through the message. I could feel it speaking to me, and I'm sure it was speaking to you as well. And you believe God has just been speaking to you today and saying this is a time for you to change. It's a time for you to let go of attachments and things 
that have sabotaged your life and your dreams. Perhaps it's a time to face areas of bondage in your life. Perhaps it's a time to face issues in your marriage and family or your personal character. At the beginning of this year, it's a time for you to say, I need to make some changes. I need God. I need to receive his love. You know, Gomer didn't have to do anything. Hosea loved her and came to her, took the initiative. Hosea paid the full price. All she needed to do was to depart from her old lover and return and receive that provision. And that's what God's speaking to you today. All it requires is you depart from those old things and turn to him and embrace his love and his cleansing. I wonder how many people God's speaking to you today wants to bring fresh revelation of his love, awaken new dreams, bring fresh intimacy in your life, out of which the flow of fruitfulness comes. You know there's things God's saying for you to work on and work with. If that's you, why don't you raise your hand right now? God's speaking to me today. God bless, God bless. Many hands. And I've got my hand up too. Father, today we thank you. It's a new day. It's a year of amazing grace. It's a year of kings arising out of defeat and bondage into their identity as sons of the living God and enlarging the territories that you've called us to conquer in this coming year, in our personal lives, in our finances, in our relationships, in the community. Father, we give you all the honor today in Jesus' mighty name. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a clap. Why don't we stand to our feet today? I love us to sing that song, Amazing Grace. Come on, it seems appropriate today. Love Holly to come up. Holly's uh, leaving to go to uh, Planet Shakers to do some training over there. She's been with us and serving in the youth. Good on you, Holly. Believe in God to really bless you as you do this. Come on up, we want to lay hands on you in a moment and pray for you. Just let's sing that song, Amazing Grace. Let's just worship God and thank Him for His amazing goodness to us. This is a year of great grace, great grace, great empowerment for you to break forth, for new territory to be taken, enlargement to happen. Maybe today you want someone to stand with you in agreement or to pray and break something over your life. Please feel free to come right up to the front now. Otherwise, let's just sing that song, and then we're going to lay hands on Holly and pray for her. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that Grace, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a rich like me. I was lost, but now I'm found. Praise God. Uh, praise, praise God. Praise God. 
Amen. Stretch your hands towards Holly, would you? It's a great step for a young person to be taking to leave home for the first time and go to another nation. And although it's a friendly nation, it's still a different place. And uh, so there will be challenges there. I'd like you to really reach out to her now. And some of you may feel in your heart to talk with her afterwards or even just help her or give some support for her in and, and her attempt to study over there and to, to, to learn and prepare herself for her future. Let's just pray for her. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father in heaven, we thank you for Holly. We thank you, Lord, that she's grown in the house. We thank you she's served in the house. She's reached out to help people. She served faithfully, Lord, in a voluntary capacity. She served in an employee capacity. Father, we thank you for her heart. We thank you, Lord, for a willingness to give of herself. Father, we thank you for all you've built into her life to this point and for the dream you've put in her heart of greater things. And so today, Father, in Jesus' name, we release Holly. We release her to go to Planet Shakers. We release her to the care of another church. We release her to your people, Lord. And we pray great grace to come upon her. We pray great grace to be upon you, to give the ability to rise, that the hidden things in your life would explode forth and burst forth, and that you would succeed and prosper as the hand of God is on you. Father, thank you. Holly, I see a number of pictures. The first one is that, um, however this may seem, I, I, it's like your feet are coming out of mud. And I saw you step onto a, a, like a treasure floor with jewels all around it. And the Lord began to coat your feet. And what I saw happen with your feet was that your feet began to have like a socks or new shoes or new socks put on them. And God's going to give you a new covering. And there's been a whole, whole place inside your life you wanted, God, will I ever see this? Will this ever happen for me? And then I saw you start to crawl and you started to roll around the jewels. Is exactly the same thing going to happen. God put a new garment over your life. This is a whole new period that God's going to extend His grace to you to grow in. And don't think that you're coming back. God's going to open up doors there for you that are going to astound you and that which has been laid latent in your life. And in reserve, God's going to open the doors and unlock them. And there's a reservoir of a deep that is inside your life of intimacy with the realm of the presence of God that very few have ever seen. The Father's going to uncover and take the cap off the well. Now others are going to be able to look in and come drink from that well in your life. God's going to open up the doors to counsel in many, many areas with young women. God's going to give you keys and you're going to be able to see right into their heart and discern what is right and what they're saying is right and wrong. And you're going to be able to pull the masks off their faces and see them for who they really are and empower them to become true women that follow the presence of God, just the same as the message of my speech today. Thank you, Lord. Father. Come on, little 